we'll start in Colossians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 6. And Brother Tony, if you'll read three verses, verses 6 through 9. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay. Joe, do you want to read? Verses. How far? Uh, 10 through uh, 12. Okay. 9 through 12. Or 9 through 12, I mean. Whoops. You'll read uh, 13 through 15. And ye, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Sister Shirley, you or Brother Wayne want to read? That no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Uh, read, you can read 18 as well. Okay, let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, and early puffed up by his fleshly mind. Mm-hmm. And not holding the head, uh, the head from which all the body and uh, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ for the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perishing with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed shew of wisdom and in will, worship and humility, neglecting of the body, and not in any honor to sat to the satisfying of the flesh. So, I guess you could say just what we're looking at here is how do we, how do we manifest to others? You know, if we're in the body of Christ, how do we manifest to others? Well, if we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Can we talk about being conformed in the image and the likeness of Christ? So it would only make sense that as the body of Christ, we do these things. So it says there, the verses that Brother Tony read, he says, you have therefore Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So if we receive the Lord and we're, baptized and enter into the body of Christ, then we need to walk in that manner. You ever heard the statement, come as you are? Well, the expectation is come as you are, but be changed into the likeness of Christ. That's the other half of that. The world likes to say, come as you are. <laughs> Stay as you are. <laughs> but that's not exactly how the body of Christ works. We're conformed into his likeness. 
It says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We know what rooted means. It means to be firm in something. You have a foundation. Well, we talk about Christ being the foundation this morning that we build upon. Well, the same, the same goes with root system. If you've ever taken biology, you'll see a, a tree's root system. If we were to go out here and uproot one of these cottonwoods, we'd be surprised at how deep those roots run, wouldn't we? That keeps that cottonwood from blowing over in the wind. But you see in a case when you have a storm, I know particularly, I don't think of it here, but in the South when we would have rain on top of rain on top of rain, and the ground would be weak, and what would happen? So most trees would just blow right over. I I don't think I've seen that yet here. I, I may have I may be wrong, but I know it does happen. <laughs> but the ground here is like concrete to me almost. <laughs> when it gets a little rain, it's like <laughs> quickcrete. <laughs> so you know you think about you just think about that in, in your mind as being rooted in Christ, being built up in him, that's not just something that happens overnight, is it? It takes time. You watch a tree grow from a sapling. I think about this little bitty aspen out here in the front yard. And I've watched it just over the year, just over the year since we've been here, and I've seen it grow just little bits. It's hard to tell how tall it's growing, but you know it's growing. It puts on leaves that the leaves mature, and the leaves in the fall, they fall off. Well, you see it's still got green leaves on it. So you can tell it's growing. But it wasn't always that, that size. It was probably smaller when y'all planted it, wasn't it? So think of our process the, as, a, as a growing process. If we're being planted and rooted in Christ and being watered daily, that's what's our, what's our, our nutrition here? It's studying the word. In prayer and encouraging one another. That's how it's all in Christ. That's how we continue to grow and mature in Christ spiritually. <clears throat> I think if my parents hadn't fed me when I was a kid, I wouldn't have grown up to be the size that I am. <laughs> but he says there, Beware that lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. If I was to go out there and pour antifreeze and other chemicals around the roots of that little aspen tree, what would happen? It would corrupt the soil. And it would what? Bring forth death. That tree would die. Because it didn't have the proper nutrition. It had the water, the, you know, the proper nutrition from the soil where it gets the nitrogen and, and enriches it and it causes those leaves and that process, that process of photosynthesis and leaves to continue. So thinking of it the same way, don't let anyone, any other man spoil us. What does it say there? It says, with, through philosophies and vain deceit, there are a lot of thought processes out in this world that are not godly nor Christ-like, are they? We hear it every day. Gary and I were talking about one earlier, a post that was on Facebook. You know, I think I, that made me think about that too, was there are a lot of things that might make sense to individuals, but it doesn't mesh with the scripture. Well, how do we know that? We read the scripture, we study it. We pray that the Lord will reveal these things to us. Sometimes it's through the Lord using another brother to teach us, like Brother Wayne or Brother Tony, you know, some of those other brothers, it it takes it takes somebody that's scripturally discerned to teach someone because the Spirit works through them, so that we can continue to be watered and grow. So it says, vain deceit, and after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's anything else that comes outside of these teachings that we have. Think about the scripture that talks about trying the spirits. We talked about this, I think, mainly. It doesn't take long for you to figure out the fruit of something, doesn't it? We talked about that this morning. You can tell by somebody's action. You can, you can observe somebody by their actions, about how they talk and how they f 
function and see whether it meshes with the scripture or not. So we're to avoid these things. What is it that the world proclaims? They proclaim a lot of different things. You don't have to be faithful in marriage. I've heard that before. Oh, that you don't have to, you, you're married. You're, you don't have to worry about that. You can pay attention to other people. You can do this. You can do that. You can stay out all night. You can drink. You can to excess. You can do all these things. But what does that bring for you? It, it hurts your physical health. It hurts those around you. It's something that's difficult on the body. So he says, beware, watch out for these things. <clears throat> so let's look at verse 9 there. It says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hmm. Who's that? Christ. It's a continuation there. Christ is who in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. It's not Satan. Satan is the prince of this world, but his dominion is going to pass away. And how do we, how do we work against him? In Christ. <clears throat> he struggles to win us over through whatever empty deceit that he can find. But if we're grounded in Christ, then we're made complete in him. <clears throat> Let's look at, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, read, flip over to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. We'll read over there real quick a few verses. Ephesians 1 and 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the workings of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him in, at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. That's a, that's a pretty good statement there. So we know that, that Christ has all the authority from God. He says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at, the, at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You think that's why later on in chapter 3 he talks about us keeping ourselves intently focused on the things above rather than the things of this earth? Absolutely. And he says there, in whom you are circumcised with the circumcision made not with hands and putting off the body of sin of flesh and by the circumcision of Christ. What is he talking about there? Circumcision of the heart. What is that? The cutting off of the symbolic flesh. <clears throat> that sanctification that we've talked about, setting ourselves aside for the worship of God, that's Circumcision of the heart. That's the that's the thing that we can't see with our eyes, but we can see it with our eyes if we are living according to the will that He has for us, according to Scripture. So he says, but buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Hmm. <clears throat> what are you talking about buried in baptism? I'm still walking around on this earth. Well, you're not physically dead. You're spiritually dead in the flesh. 
Will I still see people sin that are in the bo- in the body of Christ? Absolutely. But the point is, is not practicing those those things. And if we realize that the point, the other point of that is repentance. Repentance and not not seeking to practice those things which are considered sin. Romans chapter 6, we'll read a couple verses over there. If you want to turn over there, if you don't, you don't have to, I'll read it. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we? That we are dead to sin and live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him into baptism by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin, and now if we have been dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, for if he, in, in that he died, he died unto sin once, but that in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in its lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as the instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and as your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall no not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we have not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that you of whom you serve yourself, servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, and that ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Amen. That's how we're made alive. That's how we manifest ourselves to others. If we continue to submit to the sin after that, then did we really do ourselves much good? That's where faithful obedience comes in. That's where submission comes in. Being circumcised of the heart. Making that commitment. So let's move on there to verse 13. It says, And you being dead in your sin, the circumcision of your flesh, he hath quickened together with him, having given you all, forgiven all your trespasses. So, not the circumcision of the flesh. Talking about the the old covenant, the, the cutting of the foreskin. But being dead in your sins through the circumcision of your heart. I knew when I was when I was a child I used to look up to some of those brothers and sisters I knew back home and think, Wow, you know, these these people live a life that that I I would like to have as a kid. I I didn't know what I was what the commitment wasn't that particular point in life until much, much later. But when I did realize it when I was much older, those <clears throat> brothers and sisters were a great influence. Not that they were made 
made like gods to me, but they were they were important important influences in my life. The Lord used them to to do that. Each one of us are an influence to those around us for that self-same reason. If we're rooted in Christ, then they see Christ in us. So that's not just our families. That's our that's our the people that we know outside, the people we work with, the people we pass in the grocery store. We need to live a life that that exemplifies this, that shows them that. <clears throat> so it says there, it says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. What's that? The old law before Christ, which was contrary to us and took took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. I thank God every day I don't have to live according to the law. Because man, I wouldn't make it. <laughs> I think sometimes we as Lord's people take for granted Christ's sacrifice. Not that we intentionally do it, but we get bogged down in this life and we, we forget that our Lord laid down what we should have deserved so that we might have life. Brothers and sisters, that's not an opportunity for us to trespass the Lord's Lord's sacrifice for us. But it should ignite in us a passion to do what's right according to what the Lord has showed us. That we can <clears throat> be a representation of that light to all men. It says, And having spoiled the principalities and powers, he... He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. They thought they had won the battle when they crucified him, but they didn't realize that it had just he just upended their whole world. <laughs> Spoiled. He totally ruined it for them. Not the Sanhedrin, not the Roman, not the Roman Emperor, not the not the pro-council or nothing, Jubilee. Mind your manners. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or a new moon, or of a Sabbath day, which are shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. <clears throat> What's he talking about? Well, the Jews had ordinances for everything. You couldn't eat this meat because it was considered unholy according to the old law. You had to pay certain respects at certain holidays. We talk about, most commonly ones we talk about is the Passover. And what else? The, the feast, uh, what was that? Uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Those things. We talk about those a lot in the scripture. But it, there's no respect there for that. Right, because those things were set aside and the new way was put in place. It says, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Well, what was the Sabbath days? That was the day of rest. He says, let no one judge you. Don't not bring condemnation on you. He says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is, is of Christ. Doesn't mean those things don't have their place. But it just means that those things were fulfilled. Christ had come. What's the most important thing? Respect for the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation and duty. We are servants of God. We are members of the body of Christ. We have an obligation to represent the body of Christ in a way that all men will see Christ in us. It's not when I leave these doors that I go out and I be, I'm Tyler of the world and not Tyler that's a member of the church. It's that I'm Tyler, the servant of the Lord, 365 days a year. And my job, that means being 
being a good example in word and deed and the things that I do. Showing up on time. I'm not saying I'm getting real technical here, but showing up on time and speaking good things and being a good example. Being respectful of my boss and the authorities I have. Being respectful of my elders. Teaching my child the way she should be raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Considering my life a co-heir in Christ. I mean, we're one flesh. We're married. I need to respect her as much as I respect my own body. It says, let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels and intruding into those things which he hath not seen, mainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. It's bad I've forgotten what the word beguile means. It just left my brain. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Not Google, but I'm I've got I've got a version on my Bible in my phone here. I was always calling it swindled or cheated. Swindled or cheated. But I don't know if that's it. Let no man beguile. And I'll be it doesn't show you. There it is. That's it. Defraud. Yep. Defraud. It says defraud of salvation. Mm. He serpent beguiled Eve. What did he do? He he swindled her into doing something that she shouldn't she'd been told not to do. <laughs> he deceived her. So he's saying there, defraud against. So let no one defraud you of your reward in a in, in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. <clears throat> I can't remember exactly what the uh, it was Gnosticism was the worship of angels. And that was something that was prevalent in the day was the worshiping of, of the angel. And there was a whole system that went with it. Um, Brother Gary Smith knew, knows a lot about that Gnosticism. He did some research on it. And uh, I'll hopefully I can find the information I have on it and share with you all someday because it was very, it was a very prevalent Mis misconception of, of the scripture and misrepresent misrepresentation of the scripture. But the point was is that let no man deceive you of your reward. He says that these things were he says in a voluntary humility of worshiping angels. Hmm. That was not a good thing. He says intruding to those things which, which he hath not seen vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind leading people away to do something that they're not supposed to do. She's struggling back there. Jubilee. She's just walking down. Sit up, please. <laughs> I see a foot. That's the wrong side, kid. <laughs> but, you know, in the same thing, I, I will say this too. We have to be careful that we don't mislead others. And serving the Lord. Or give a misconception of what serving the Lord is. He says. And not holding the head there in verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body of joints and bands. Having nourishment ministered and knitted together. Increased with the increase of God. Hmm. So it's continuing there from verse 18 on. And not holding the head. Who's the head? Christ. And not holding Christ. For which all joints and bands having nourishment ministered knit together increases with the increase of God. If we take off Christ as the head, what happens? There's no life. Without our body, if you de if you decapitate, separate your head from your body, what happens? You can you don't you cease to function. Your body cannot support itself because the brain tells the rest of the body what to do. 
So us separated from Christ, we can't function. We cease to function as a body. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Taste not, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctors and bent. He says, which all things have indeed a shoe of wisdom when all with will of worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So what's he talking about there? We aren't to be subject, subject unto these things, the, the things of the flesh. Wow. All those things die and they, they don't go on living. He says they perish there with the using. Not to be subject to those things. Sounds a little like gluttony. So he says they're not. Why as though living in the world are you subject to these to ordinances? Well, ordinances have their place. We have laws and things like that. But one thing that's always been mentioned about the law is the law is for those that are wicked. The scripture says that. The law is for those that are wicked. Why? Because they'll stand condemned according to those laws. In the Old Testament, that's exactly what happened. The righteous were sustained because why? They hoped in the Lord. The Lord provided all of that for them. But those that didn't, there was a penalty. Brother Gary talked about Achan. Was it two two weekends ago when he was when he spoke for us? He took the things out of the band. What happened? His whole household perished under a flood of stones. They stoned him to death. And his whole household, women, children, livestock, everything. Why? Because he set a bad example for the rest of the nation there, for the rest of the congregation of the Lord. And because of his sin, he made way for sin to go back into the congregation of Israel which they were told, don't take anything under the man. And they were told when they went in to possess it what, what the cost of that was. So, other instances we have, we've, we've seen that at Ananias and Sapphira when they did things that they weren't supposed to do. They gave up the ghost. They died in. Why? Because it was inexcusable, the lie to the Lord. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They held back their money and they were supposed to give it to the church. Why? Because they made an oath. <laughs> because they didn't live by the ordinances. They didn't live by what they had committed to. So he says there, which things have indeed show of wisdom and will and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. What is our service? When we commit to serving the Lord, we give up our life. We are servants of the Lord. Sometimes we forget that we're servants of the Lord. And the Lord reminds us. He reminded David. If he reminded David, he reminded all those other ones. He reminded Peter that he was subject to Christ. He reminded Paul, reminded the church at Corinth they were subject to Christ and the principles of, of the gospel, the teachings of Christ. We are none, none the more different. We're subject to Christ. <clears throat> and that's what he was trying to, to show them. There was more things important than to be led away by these men and their beliefs and the things that were going on there at, Coloss at the church of Colossia. So, are we manifesting ourselves properly to others. Are we truly acting as servants of Christ? Are we acting as servants of the world? Going on there into verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, if, 
Ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on those things above, and not on the things of earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with the Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He goes on. He tells them there, you have, you have something that you need to accomplish. If ye are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So if there's life in Christ and there's no life outside of Christ, we're talking about quality here, aren't we? I mention this quite often, the proof is in the pudding. We see what the outcome is there if our affections are set on the world, don't we? It says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He's telling him, he says, But you're dead. Your life is hid in Christ. And that's the wonderful thing about our committing to serving the Lord, is we do have an opportunity to have a covering for our sins. But it requires what? Active participation. Obedience. Faithfulness. Humility. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. I think I finally pronounced that word right, Brother Gary. <laughs> Brother Ed helps me along too sometimes when I'm trying to read that word. <laughs> it says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye were also walked, walked sometimes when ye lived in them, but now ye are also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. So he says, mortify, put to death those things which are upon the earth. The power that the Lord brought for us was pretty amazing. And the fact that if we focus on serving him, these things can be put away. As long as we maintain our focus on him. We can be misled. I've seen brothers and sisters be misled before. We have to allow to be Christ to be perfected in us. He goes on to say, but if you put those things away, don't put those things away. He says, for such things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Hmm. We're disobedient. We have to know it, don't we? She's having a rough time, isn't she? <laughs> So if we are children of disobedience, it means we have to know something <laughs> and have to not pay attention to it or disregard it. He says there, in which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. There's several, several scriptures that talks about this, chock full of them in the Old Testament from the first chapter of Genesis, all the way through to the last chapter uh, to Malachi. We have the disobedience of Eve in the garden. She was beguiled by the serpent. She knew what she was supposed to do. The Lord told her what she should do, not eat of that tree. 
And as a result of her disobedience, what? They were excluded from the garden. They couldn't partake of all the good things that the Lord had put for them there to sustain them. And I could talk all day long about the rest, the rest of it there. David, in his disobedience, chose to enact a census before Israel. What happened? He paid the price. The country was... There was a lot of infighting there. We have the diaspora, which they were conquered and captured and sent into captivity. And then you have the writings in the New Testament. The Jews were deceived. They deceived themselves into realizing that the Christ was not the true Christ. Guess what? I mean, it paved the way for us to have an opportunity. But it's sad that they as a people and a nation that were chosen to be God's people couldn't acknowledge that. And they paid the penalty for their, for their iniquities there. Well, that won't happen to us, but it, do, it can happen to us. It absolutely can. We pay for our sins if we're not doing as the Lord has called us to. Says, but now also you put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and lie to one, not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Commit a uh, commitment that we've put aside these things and serve the Lord when we were baptized into the body of Christ. And having put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. So it doesn't matter who we are before we come to serve the Lord. What matters is who we are now. Committed to serving the Lord. It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So now that we've established that all of us have an opportunity, he goes on there and says, okay, now we've got to this point. Now here's what you've got to do. <laughs> he tells them there, as the elect of God, he says, put on bowels of mercy. What's that? Kindness, sympathy, compassion. Isn't that what the Lord exemplified? He had compassion on the sick. He healed those that were sick. He showed kindness towards his own enemies, even when they didn't deserve it, probably. And lowliness of mind, humbleness. Being of low esteem, And long-suffering, putting up with things for, <laughs> means what it says, long-suffering, putting up with things for a long time. But I want justice right now. Well, that's not up for us. It's certainly not up for us to do that. Our Lord put up with a lot far less, far worse things than we put up with on a daily basis. I can assure you of that. So maybe we should consider consider the, the situation of our enemies, those that we come into in the workplace, those that we deal with out in public in the grocery store. Think before we honk. <laughs> Think before we speak. Which is not always easy. Brother Tony, I know you and I work in a very, very hard field. <laughs> People are not always kind to security. They're not always kind to healthcare workers, to doctors. 
even the parking attendants at the hospitals are not kind to them. I've seen people get cussed out and fussed at and yelled at for somebody else's iniquity. something Somebody else's wrongdoing. But our duty is what? Do no harm. Doesn't mean that we can't be upset about it, but we need to show them the same compassion we would want showed to us. Scripture dictates that to us as well. I always use that example of healthcare because it's it's the first thing that comes to my mind because I work in it all day, every day during the week. And I see people at their worst moments say things that they probably truly don't mean. I once had a man tell me, do you really care? You are soulless. You really just don't care for anybody but yourself, do you? I said, no, sir. My job... My job is to care for you. And I said, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good experience, but I let me make it up to you. <laughs> you know, I probably didn't change his mind at the moment, but I have had people that I've talked to and dealt with that I've showed compassion on them and they've come back and apologized for their, for their shortcomings in an, an interaction that we've had. And I've said, it's okay. Those things happen. <laughs> the important thing is what happened after the fact. But maybe through the graciousness in our interaction with others when they have those moments that we will let them see Christ in us. Because we, after all, we've put on the new man, or at least we should have. He says, above all things... <clears throat> Excuse me, he says, forbearing, I missed one. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have any quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now remember, it's not just amongst our number that we do this, but it's to the world as well. Scripture talks about it's good enough for, do, for us to do it amongst ourselves, and we should do it towards the world, right? That's, I mean, of course, that's paraphrasing the Scripture over there, but that's the point. We have an obligation and a duty. Christ forgave us, so we should forgive others. I heard a phrase, holding a grudge is ancient artifact. <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> you hold on to it and you can keep it for a long time, but it's not going to do you a lot of good. <laughs> but just to keep you upset and serve a reminder of the past, so... Forgiven. My mom, my mom told me when I was a kid, if somebody does you wrong, even if you're not wrong, sometimes it's better just to go apologize to them. Why? I didn't do anything wrong. It's because it shows that you hold no ill will towards them and that you're willing to work with them and, and to help them along. I can't hold on to what brother so-and-so did to me for, you know, 10, 15 years ago and use it for fuel later on and something going on. I have to forgive my brother and move on. Why? Because we cannot get forgiveness if we don't forgive others. It says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I promise y'all I'm almost done. So I've actually run over. Holy cow. <laughs> And it says, above all things, put on the char- on charity. What's charity? Love. It's not charity as in giving away things, but yes, love, love does do a lot of neat things. It says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. You don't say, Christ, Christ's love for us demonstrated how strong a bond that is, isn't it? even though you and I didn't exist at this point, that he died for our sins. That's a bond of perfectness if I never heard one. But we are, as ambassadors of Christ, we are the, have the same duty and obligation to lay down our lives for others as well. Because we love them and we want to see them do good and serve the Lord. It may just take a while. <laughs> A joke. 
consciences and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you in all wisdom and teaching and admonition and other and one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The peace of God, it's a very different thing. I think, I know Brother Gary and I've had this conversation about the peace, the peace of God. But it's not a peace like the world has it where everything is just hunky-dory and we're all singing Kumbaya by the fireside. <laughs> peace of God is just different, a different thing for us. There can be all kinds of turmoil going, going on around us and we can still have that peace. Uh, the one thing I think about the most that comes to my mind is I used to be really scared about coming the day of the Lord. I used to think, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I was a kid, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But as I've gotten older, and I've understood the scriptures a little more, and I, I may not understand it all, but there's a peace that comes with that. That there's something much better that's coming, even though there's going to be pain and sorrow and suffering that we're going to recognize that there's something much better coming. That's the, that's just a picture, a little sliver of the peace of God. That I'm okay with that. It may be difficult, but I'm okay with it. So he goes there in closing there. He says, Let all the word of Christ richly dwell in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So what does it say, richly dwell in you? We, we're made rich by being in Christ. We, we have the ability and the, and the wherewithal to be satisfied by the word of God and by being in him. But we can be even more rich in wisdom. He says there by spiritual, singing spiritual songs and hymns, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord admonishing one another, coming together and singing and talking to one another and, and being concerned with one another, helping one another when when something happens or when there's not, just coming together just to be together. That enriches our life. It causes us to be be better better servants for the Lord if we're doing what we should. He says, and do this, ye do in word. He says, whatsoever ye do, do it in word or in deed, and all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So not just with what we say, but with what we do. All in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are representatives of him in the body of Christ. So that's our that's part of our duty. So how do we manifest to others? By doing these things. That's all I have for you this evening. Thank you for being patient and listening to me as I went over 10 minutes. I think I actually talked for an hour tonight. Mark that down. It took me, what, nine, almost nine months? <laughs> oh. Well, we'll all stand to be dismissed.